You're listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast, a cape-free zone where we share stories and break down strength and struggle narratives to reimagine lives with us at the center. I'm your host, Kayla Charleston. Now let's get into it. This is a solo episode all about men and money, why I believe men always owe, and why I judge men who are not willing to open their wallets. And I'm doing this solo because it's still such a taboo thing for women to speak openly about their expectations around men and money. We all saw how B. Simone got dragged across the internet when she said she wanted an entrepreneur, even though she didn't even say how much money he had to make. So um, I'm doing this all by my lonesome. Just in case some ashes get wind of this episode and they decide they want to come for me, it'll just be me who's in danger of a dragon and not some poor unsuspecting guest. And the story to open up the topic is about a guy I used to date and what it reveals about how men expect to show up and add value to a woman's life. So I dated this guy some time ago and back when we dated, I had made it past the stage where I felt like I should be going Dutch with men. And so it was pretty well established that if we went out together, that it was going to be his treat. And he was fine with it. So it was cool. And I'll skip the actual dating part because that's not relevant to the story. So we dated for a while. And then at some point I didn't, it wasn't really what I wanted. He didn't do anything disrespectful or it was, we weren't on bad terms or he didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. It just wasn't going in a direction that I cared for. So I decided that I wanted to stop dating. Well, he came back a few years later, which is what men do. Men always come back. And he wanted to try his hand at at dating again. So I let him know by the time he he came back that I had different expectations around men and how I wanted them to contribute to my life if they wanted to, to be with me. And... Essentially, his response was, do you think previous guys ruined it for everybody else? Now, let's break that down. First of all, when he said everybody else, he meant him because I know he wasn't concerned about who else was wanted to date me. He was worried about he was concerned about him dating me and what it was that he had to provide if he wanted access to me. So he was asking, do I think that other men ruined it for him? That's first. Second, words mean things. So when he said ruined, it's like, okay, what exactly are you saying is ruined? Because I'm the same person. I have the same personality. I have the same level of intelligence. My sense of humor is the same. I look the same. You are talking to me right now. So what exactly are you saying is ruined except for, you know, your ability to show up and do the minimum, which to me, for a guy like him, who he was making well into the six figures, showing up and paying for dates, that's like minimum. So (laughs) what you're essentially saying is your ability to just show up and do the minimum and, you know, pay for dates. That's what was ruined. And I, I feel like it spoke volumes about what he thought or about the value he thought he should be adding to my life and about, you know, his reluctance or his hesitance to be expected to add value in 
you know, more meaningful ways than just paying for dates because he had the means to do it. He, it was whether or not he wanted to or whether or not he felt like he should have to. And I think that that is very indicative of how men do show up and expect to get the benefits of having access to women, but not necessarily wanting to contribute in a, in a material way that helps women, that actually helps women. And we'll talk about why I feel like that is money actually now. So this conversation or how I got over my hangups around having expectations around money and men hinge upon my understanding of capitalism and patriarchy and, you know, why I have these expectations of men to show up in certain ways, you know, monetarily. And so if you'll allow me to put my professor hat on for like a few minutes to explain the connection between capitalism and patriarchy and how it informs the way that I think about men and money. So first, we live in a capitalist society. And if you're not familiar, if you don't know what that means, basically there are an elite few, you know, class of capitalists who are wealthy and own most of the assets and most of the money and most of the resources. And then there's the rest of us who work to basically make them rich. And our labor um, is not compensated in a way that actually reflects the value that we provide. It, it usually is disproportionately, um, it disproportionately goes to benefit those elite few who are wealthy and have um, control of most of the resources. So basically everybody out here is getting exploited. If you work for somebody, you're getting exploited. And because we live in a capitalist society, you know, capitalism means that everything is for profit. The Everything is about the bottom line. How much money can it make? And how can we make it make more money? So because making money is the goal in a capitalist society, everything takes money. Everything takes money. So even basic necessities, you need money for. You need money to have. You can't really have much in, in this life, in this society, if you don't have the money to access it. So for example, you got kids and you want them to have a quality education, and we're talking about public schools, you have to have the money to live in a neighborhood where the schools are well-funded. If you want access to healthy foods and fresh produce, you have to have the money to live in a neighborhood where there aren't liquor stores and fast food joints, fast food places on every corner. If you want health care, you want quality health care. We, we're in a pandemic right now. You want quality health care. You have to have the money to do it. You And a lot of times you have to have a job to even have health care. So you don't get access to basic necessities in life unless you have the money to be able to afford them. And also in a capitalist society, because we there is so much emphasis put on having money and making money. Um, we, we attribute qualities to people who are rich and qualities to people who are poor or who have historically been locked out of access to creating wealth for themselves. And so like when we think about rich people, a lot of times we think that they're smart or they're, you know, innovative or they have these great work ethics or they're, you know, for them to be able to have created something that cornered a market and, and, you know, become rich, 
And we believe in this like rags to riches story, even when it's not true, even when there's a lot more behind someone's um, wealth than we see. We like to think that it's just hard work that got them there and these all these positive qualities that won them this like this position amongst the elite and amongst the wealthy. Well, in the same way, we have um, attitudes and attributes that we attribute to poor people. So we like to think that poor people are poor because they just don't work hard enough and, you know, or they're lazy and they just need to work harder and pull themselves up, up by the bootstraps. Well, these attitudes about who has money and who doesn't and why they don't, they're not by accident. So poverty and um, access to resources and things like that is set up in a way that's very intentional. It's very intentional who has the ability to generate wealth and who has had access to resources historically. It's very, very intentional because we live in a society where poverty and homelessness and you know people going hungry are things that we could eradicate if we really wanted to, but we don't because we'd rather maintain capitalism where a select few benefit and everybody else is out here fighting for scraps. That's capitalism in a nutshell, and it works. Capitalism works in conjunction with other types of or other forms of oppression, like for example, racism and capitalism work hand in hand. If you think about how black people were, you know, brought to this country, it was for the labor of Africans to be exploited to benefit um, slave owners. So there's a history of um, exploited labor from black people. And even though slavery is over, that legacy still continues. And it's it's the reason for the wealth gap between black people and white people, because white people have had centuries of a head start over, over black women. I mean, over black people in general, in terms of the ability to generate wealth. And the stories that are told about black people that justify why black people you know, don't have as much wealth or why black people are disproportionately impoverished are that, you know, black people don't work hard enough or we're lazy or we're always looking for a handout, you know, and if other races can come here, other ethnicities can come here and do well for themselves, then why can't black people? And it's some fault of black people rather than it being the way society is set up to disadvantage black people patriarchy and capitalism also work hand in hand to define who has more access to resources and who has less. So patriarchy, what patriarchy says is that there are two categories, there's man and there's woman. And these two categories are oppositionally defined. They are complete opposites of one another. They are mutually exclusive categories. There are specific um, qualities, characteristics, roles, Uh, responsibilities associated with being a man and they are opposite of the qualities characteristics um, roles and responsibilities of being a woman and so men are supposed to be the breadwinners men are supposed to be logical they're strong they're assertive you know violent if need be they don't express express emotions um, and they're just you know, masculine and dominating. Women, on the other hand, are nurturing, are supposed to be nurturing, soft, soft-spoken. 
they take care of other people. They're emotional um, and just everything the opposite of men. If patriarchy determines specific roles and responsibilities for men and roles and responsibilities for women, then it also determines appropriate labor for men and appropriate labor for women. So if you look at society or if you look at female dominated jobs in society, they tend to be ones that are service oriented or take more care work or emotional labor. So teacher, secretary, daycare worker, flight attendant, jobs like that where you're in service or taking care of other people are more likely to be female dominated because they're associated with the care work that women are inherently assumed to be better at versus men's jobs or male dominated jobs tend to be jobs that we think take better leadership skills or you know better decision making skills like doctor lawyer uh, ceo pilot things like that and then because capitalism and patriarchy are intertwined capitalism says okay i see that men's role is defined as the breadwinner for their home so that means they need to be making a profit And we know capitalism is all about making a profit. So it's even doubly so that men need to be making a profit so they can take care of their homes. And women are supposed to just do the care work and the emotional labor and the domestic labor that sustains a home. But that stuff doesn't directly turn a profit. So that work is inherently less valuable and should be compensated less. And this is why we see what's called the feminization of poverty or the fact that women are more likely to be impoverished or live in poverty than men because their work is seen as less valuable than the work that is associated with being a man. So essentially what we've done is create a society that puts profit and money over everything else and requires you to have money in order to have access to basic necessities in life, much less comforts. We haven't even talked about having comfort in life, but you need money to have basic necessities. And then we've pigeonholed women into jobs that are um, lower paying and the compensation is not equal to the compensation that men have more access to. And then we've created narratives around women who seek other ways to make sure that their needs are met. And that's where this label of gold digger comes into play. So we label women who want to partner with men who can make sure that their needs are are met as gold diggers or men who can provide some level of comfort as gold diggers, which is wild to me because you can't like, how wild is that? That we have a society where you have to have money to have anything in life and then lock people out, lock whole groups out of opportunities to make money so that they can have basic necessities. And then stigmatize them for seeking out other ways to access those those resources so i don't even believe in the label of gold digger anymore in a society where that's the case where it's it's built the way it is gold diggers do not exist they don't it's also wild to me especially wild when black women are called gold diggers because black women are the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs in the u.s which means that black women are realizing are noticing the opportunities that they're, you know, being locked out of and choosing to create their own opportunities. So it's not like black women are sitting around waiting for 
their chance to get with a rich man to bail them out and to use him for his money and to, you know, get a come up in life. Like we're out here creating our own opportunities. So yeah, it's just, it's just really wild to me whenever black women, especially specifically are called gold diggers when they have standards around money and expectations around money from men. And you may be listening to this thinking, okay, well, isn't it an employer's job to make sure that women are paid equally? What's that have to do with men individually owing women? Well, it actually has a lot to do with it because these same attitudes and expectations around labor impact our everyday interpersonal relationships with men. So what actually counts as labor or what counts as labor that you know, deserves compensation all seep into our everyday interactions and our interpersonal relationships with men, even if you don't partner with men romantically. So let's start with friendship. I have had numerous men tell me that their friendships with women have either in part or completely in general been more fulfilling than their friendships with men. And a lot of the reasons that they give have to do with the fact that they're able to talk about things in more depth with women because, you know, with their guy friends, they only talk about shallow things or they only talk about it to a certain extent or that they're able to be more emotionally expressive in their friendships with women and and able to show more vulnerability. Um, I have had men tell me that they have learned a lot from me and that I've exposed them to perspectives that they've never considered Um, I've had men tell me that I've inspired them to pursue their passions and stuff. And some of them have gone on to actually turn it into stuff that they made money from. So all of this stuff is actual labor and it's ways it's, they are ways that women add value to men's lives. And, and this is labor. So here's the thing about this type, this type of labor. So this type of stuff is the type of stuff that happens in my friendships with women like all the time. We do the type of emotional labor and intellectual labor that men come to women to get. We us women, we do that for each other on a daily basis. Like my relationships with women are grounding and affirming because they are reciprocal and because we pour into each other so much. And it's, it's, it is fulfilling. However, I think the difference with men is that a lot of men approach women with, with, you know, what they can take or what they can consume in mind rather than how they can show up and add value to a woman's life. And the, and for me, that's the difference. My, the labor that I do it's reciprocal with women, but I don't think that men collectively show up and are thinking about how they can also pour into women. I think it's uh, for a lot of men, it's how they can show up and how they can consume and what they can take and what they can get from the situation. And this goes back to the guy I mentioned at the beginning that I dated who came back around and asked if I felt like other men ruined it for everybody else. He didn't show up and say, okay, well, her expectations have changed. How can I add value to her life in a way that's meaningful to her? No, he was bummed because my expectations did change and it would require more of an investment for him and more of a barrier to getting what he wanted. And I feel like that's how a lot of men approach women, romantically, platonically, whatever. It's always with 
what they can get in mind and what labor that they can have access to for the least amount of investment, especially monetarily. And in terms of friendship, when men tell me that their relationships, their friendships with women are more fulfilling, what I hear is you get something from our relationship. You get something from access to me that you don't or you can't get from men. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if I add value to your life in this way, why would you not then want to add value in a way that helps me to make sure that my basic needs are met? Because remember, we live in a society where you need money to have your basic needs met. So why would you not, if I add this much value to your life, why wouldn't you want to contribute to my life in a way that helps my basic needs get met? Or if my basic needs are met, that adds comfort to my life in some way. This is part of the reason why I feel like men always owe you because you are doing, even in friendships, you are doing labor that's valuable to men and they know that and they recognize that, but it's a matter of whether or not they feel like it should be compensated. And then romantically, so romantically, it's it's all of that. So all of the stuff that I just said happens, you know, in platonic friendships with men. But romantically, like when you partner with men, there's an added layer, especially if you are like building a life with this person. There is an added layer layer of a whole different type of labor on top of the emotional labor and the intellectual labor that you're doing just by, you know, being friends with men. So, for example, say y'all have kids together. Who is more likely to notice that y'all's child's socks are getting too small and go and buy new socks for your child and make sure that they have socks that fit properly? Who is more likely to notice that the garbage disposal is broke and then make time to call a repair person and schedule an appointment and then arrange rearrange their schedule to be home when that repair person comes who is more likely to compromise if you all have an argument or a disagreement who's more likely to compromise on the things that they want or more likely to acquiesce or who's more likely to initiate reconciliation at all and I'm not saying that there aren't men who know, you know, when their child needs new socks or notice when the garbage disposals are when the garbage disposal is broke or will initiate reconciliation. However, if we're talking about on average and we're talking about men as a collective and the type of labor that they take on, it's usually women who do this type of work and this type of labor in relationships. And it may seem you may be thinking, oh, okay so socks so what or okay garbage disposal so what however these little things these little um notice these little details that keep a house running that keep a family running they take up space they take up mental space they take up energy and it takes up it takes effort it's labor to keep all of these things in mind to be on top of everybody's schedules to know everybody's allergies to know the needs you know what needs to be fixed in the house in order for it to function properly all these different elements that 
a lot of times men think magically get done or don't even realize how they get done. It's women doing these things. And that's part of the invisible labor that women actually do for men that doesn't get recognized as labor. So on top of all the emotional labor, on top of all the intellectual labor, um, you're doing invisible labor to keep relationships running and keep you know households thriving that does not because of patriarchy because of patriarchy it falls on women to do and then because of capitalism doesn't even get recognized as as compensatable labor since it doesn't actually turn a direct profit so there are so 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 many ways that men profit off of or benefit from the different types of women's of the different types of labor that women do in relationships and to me if the if the burden for all of this relation all of this um work in relationships is going to fall on women then there should be other ways to mitigate how I'm being compensated for my labor oh and another thing so not only that but like domestic labor that's a different type of labor and that like there's actual research on the fact that when women get married to men, their the amount of household chores and household labor that they do increases versus for men it decreases. So just again, all these different types of labor that men are, are benefiting from and not having to do that labor frees them up to have more time on their hands to do other things with. So while it's not considered labor that is, you know, for compensation or valuable enough to be compensated. It definitely provides a load off of men's shoulders to not be responsible for that labor. And in the past, I have attempted to have these conversations with men about the types of labor that women do in relationships and the ones who feel like they're more evolved and further along on the gender equality spectrum and are more progressive will the first thing they'll do is to offer up that they cook or they clean and to, and I actually had a guy say that to me before. Like I I was talking about how women are expected to do, you know, all these different types of labor and relationships. And his response was, well, I do dishes. And to me that says, if that's your response, if you're, if you're listening to me, if you're hearing me talk about the labor that women are expected to do and your first response is to say, well, I do dishes, then that to me says that I'm, if I were with you, I would be responsible for all that shit <laughs> because you're not even listening to what I'm saying. And to me, a proper response to that would, would be to sit back and to reflect on maybe how, you know, your past partners have been responsible for certain things that you didn't necessarily view as labor rather than to automatically jump to say, well, I do dishes like that's the only type of labor that exists in a household. And it's I think I feel like progressive men or men who feel like they're progressive like to think that they're further along than they are or they can't be um impacted by larger societies um expectations and standards and it doesn't quite make sense and if you think about it in terms of race then you might see how much it doesn't make sense so like if a white person and a black person were to be in a relationship together in an interracial relationship 
if the white person were to say, I personally, as a white person, see you as a black person as equal to me. So therefore, racism and white supremacy cannot impact our relationship. Well, that's not true because we still live in a society that is racist and where white supremacy is alive and well. So while you may personally view that person as equal and do your best to treat them as equal, that does not mean that racism is not going to impact your relationship or cause issues or or cause conflict in your relationship. It's the same thing if you are a man and a heterosexual man and a heterosexual woman as a couple. Like men hold power in society over women. So just because you think you personally do not see women as inferior to you doesn't mean that those those attitudes from a patriarchal society and from a capitalist society that says that women's labor is not valuable, it doesn't mean that it's never going to permeate into your your relationship and into how you treat or how you dis- you look at labor or how you decide to divvy up labor or any of that stuff. So um, it's so insidious, our ideas about labor and our ideas about compensation and what and what is actual labor and what should be compensated. And so much so that there are many men who think they're doing a great job of, you know, being equal and being egalitarian in their relationships when in actuality, a lot of times it's women compromising or women choosing not to say things or choosing not to rock the boat for fear of maybe nagging or, uh, or being, being told that they're nagging or, you know, whatever. So it's a lot more complicated than people make it out to be when they say, oh, just, just talk about how you're going to split the labor, right? Because even in progressive relationships, it doesn't necessarily work out like that because we live in a society that's structured around women having their labor exploited. Again, this is why I say that men men always owe. And this is why I 100% judge men who are not willing to open their wallets because there are so many ways that men benefit from all the different types of labor that women do for them. So what does it say about you that you will show up for the benefits that you get from having access to women, from your proximity to women, but you don't want to contribute to her life in a way that will make sure her her basic needs are met or even provide some type of comfort in her life. What does that say about you? And I, I know men who will take a woman to a $200 dinner or take a woman on vacation or buy, you know buy little thoughtful gifts or flowers and stuff like that, but will not open their wallets to give cash or pay a bill because they have something against that in particular. Don't have anything against the other stuff, but have something against giving money or paying a bill. And to me, that's about one of two things or both. It's about nice getting nice guy cookies. It's about control or it's about both. And I say that because when a man takes a woman out to dinner, she's his for the evening. And that's not to say that he owns her, but her attention is on him. Her She's focused on him. She's she, Her time is his. She's with him. She's not with another man. She's not focused on anybody else. She's not flirting with anybody else. Like she's with him. And I'm assuming that he's attracted to her 
because he took her out and men generally don't do stuff for women they're not attracted to so he gets to look at your fine ass over dinner and he gets something out of that so you're his for the evening yeah he spent money but he's still he's still benefiting from that same thing same thing if he takes you um on vacation you're his for the duration of that vacation and again not saying that he owns you but you're probably going to pack cute outfits and you're going to be wearing cute cute stuff and you're going to be on for the duration of that trip you're probably going to be pleasant and you're de- you're definitely his company you're not going to be you know giving your attention to other men he you're with him so he's getting something out of that too yeah he paid for it but he's still getting something out of that which is you being with him and your focus being on him when he gives you gifts men like to see you perform gratitude they like for you to open the gift in front of them they want to see you perform gratitude oh baby i love it thank you so much like they they want they like to feel like they did something good so even the you know gratitude that you show when he gets you a gift is something versus if a man is just giving you money and you get to do whatever you want with that money. You get autonomy with that money. It doesn't require you to be with him and to for for your time and your attention to be on him or with him. Then that's something completely different. That's a whole different um, level of autonomy, right? Because you get to do whatever you want with the money. If if he's just paying a bill, like if that bill is just getting drafted out of his account, that's not quite as sexy as him taking you on a vacation and your your time and your attention is on him. So to me, men who are willing to do these gestures, these nice gestures, but aren't willing to give women money, it says a lot about how you value women and um, your need to be in control of a situation. Your need to only give in a way that allows you to still maintain control of the situation or control of her autonomy and and her attention and her energy and where she directs that. So yeah, I I definitely and I'm not saying that vacations and gifts and you know dinners and stuff are a bad thing or shouldn't be appreciated, but I definitely side eye men who will do those things but have something against giving a woman money because it says a lot about you. The way that I ask for money, let me preface let me actually preface this by saying this is not a how-to guide. This is not advice. This is, I'm not a coach telling you how to get the bag. This is not any of that. I am just sharing what I have done in my experience. So don't take this as me telling you, this is what you need to do to get a man, get money from a man. This is just me telling you how I navigate or how I have navigated asking for money or, or asserting my expectations around money because I I did used to be someone who would never have asked for money or brought up money or specify any kind of expectation around money. So I had to learn that you cannot waste your time trying to convince men who are not already okay with giving women money to give women money. That is a complete waste of time. It's not going to happen. Don't don't even bother. So that's one. That was one for me was learning that if a man's not okay with it, keep it moving. And then how I ask for money depends on 
the situation, I think. Like if um, somebody's getting on my nerves or they're asking for something that I don't necessarily want to do or they're asking for access in some kind of way that I don't really want to give them, then I will be very direct. So like if a dude is hounding me in my inbox and I'm not really in my like DMs or something and I don't really care to talk to him. I'm gonna just be like, you can, you can, <laughs> you can give me money to talk to me. Like you can cash at me and maybe we can talk. And I do that not, not because I actually expect him to give me money. I do it because a lot of men hate when women are direct about money and have expectations about money. So I actually do that because I'm pretty sure that he's going to be like, ew, no. And then stop talking to me because it's a turnoff for me to it. And it actually, it works pretty well because most men are going to be like, no, bitch, I'm not paying you. (laughs) Um, Or like when men want to have certain conversations, uh, specifically around things that I have, I'm like really well read on or that I've actually studied and it's, we're moving past, we're moving beyond. This is just my opinion. And it's stuff that they haven't read anything about, or they are just offering their opinions and they want to like enter some kind of debate with me on it. I don't, I don't do those things. And that's when I'll ask you, no, you can pay me to have this conversation um, so I, I'll do it that way. And then if I actually like you, <laughs> well, and then, okay. So there's a step in between that. There's a step in between being that direct. And then if I actually like you, so if you are just kind of getting on my nerves and I just want to see what you're about, I might be like, say something like, Oh, I, I like men who make my life easier and you know the 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 fastest and you know best way to do that is to give me money. That's my way of seeing where you're at. And it's kind of like I I'll do it when I'm lukewarm on somebody where I when I am kind of like I don't really care which way it goes. And if you leave me alone because I said this or I asked for money, then that's fine. If you, if you actually give me money, then that's fine too. Um, but after that, like if I am interested in you, then it's more incorporated into everyday conversation. So let's say we have plans to meet up later on. I might text him and say, I am looking forward to, to seeing you in a little bit, but I would really like to relax and not have to worry about driving or parking or any of that. So could you send me money for an Uber? And if he has an issue, I asked this early on because if he has an issue sending money for an Uber, then he's going to have an issue giving money for more than an Uber. Um, or let's say he checks in on me during the day or you know at the end of the day to see how my day was and I haven't had the best day and there's something that I feel like would make me feel better then I'll just be honest and say something like I appreciate you checking on me I haven't had the best day but I feel like a spa day would make me feel a lot better can you help me with that or do you think you can help me with that and it's just that simple and if he's a man who already is open to giving money to women and adding value to a woman's life in that way, then that's what it is. He'll, he'll do it. He wouldn't, he won't have a problem doing it. And now I want to make a disclaimer sandwich by placing another disclaimer on the end of that and reiterating that I'm not out here trying to be no coach. I'm not trying to give advice. I'm not trying to 
teach y'all how to be a city girl and secure the bag by talking about the ways that I ask for money. I am, my intention is just to normalize women talking about money and having expectations about money and explicitly stating those expectations because it is such a taboo thing for women to do. So do not take this as me saying that I'm an expert on how to secure the bag or how to get a nigga to pay your bills because this is not that. But when I do talk about this subject, one of the main questions that people ask or people bring up is, don't you feel like a prostitute or doesn't that make you a prostitute? And I feel like the expected um, response to that is for me to recoil and, and at the thought of being compared to a sex worker. And the answer to that is no, I don't feel like a sex worker. I feel like sex workers have many skills that I do not have. And I actually feel like there are many things that women who are not sex workers could learn from sex workers in terms of boundaries, in terms of recognizing the value of what we provide and setting certain standards around what it takes to have access to that value or or those things that we provide, the labor that we provide, the services that we provide. Because let's be honest, let's be clear, we're all out here providing services and labor to men. So, you know, the stigma around sex work and charging men for having access or charging men for, you know, sexual favors or whatever is wild to me because women who aren't sex workers are doing it too. They're just doing it for free. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know I've had some disappointing sexual experiences that if a nigga had paid a bill first, I would have felt much better about. So um, the stigma around sex work is wild because we could all learn something from sex workers and the skills that they have in setting boundaries and, and, and making sure that their needs are met before engaging in any kind of way. And then their needs being money <laughs> and safety. But... Um, And that's the gist of it. Figuring out your terms, your conditions, your standards, what it takes or what you want in order for someone to have access to you, your energy, your labor and all of that. So for me, I see how I enrich men's lives and I see the labor that women collectively do in men's lives that enriches them and that builds them up and that does turn them into um, different people. I won't say better, but different people and that they benefit from. And in a capitalist society where you need money to have basic necessities and where men have more opportunities for access to resources, it makes sense to me that I require you to contribute to my basic needs being met or to contribute in a way that adds comfort to my life because if I'm enriching your life in all of the ways that I've been told that I have why would you not want to contribute in that way so yeah figure out figure out what it is that you want figure out how to ask for it and ask for it because at the end of the day you deserve to be compensated for your labor
Thank you for listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes drop and rate and review so others will know how much you love the show too. If you want to keep up with me personally, you can follow me on Instagram at Not The Wifey Type. Until next time, I'm reminding you to belong to yourself. <laughs>